But empathy does not mean I agree with you. Empathy is actually a shortcut. Welcome back to Stop Killing Deals and this fourth highlight reel. The Stop Killing Deals webinar and podcast series was built around exploring four main areas that affect sales performance. You, connecting with others, systems slash structure and vision and direction. In selling today, I believe that empathy is underrated. And that's why I interviewed Lisa Earl McLeod and Maria Ross. Let's listen to some of the highlights from these interviews now. Empathy and compassion, two words that are not often connected to selling, but should be, I believe. This is why I interviewed Maria Ross. Maria really gets the power of empathy at both a personal and a brand level. Her latest book is called The Empathy Edge, which I highly recommend reading. My main takeaway from this interview was the difference between empathy and compassion. Because you may understand another person very well, but unless you can communicate that, the other person will not feel seen, heard, and understood. Maria called compassion empathy in action, which I thought was a brilliant way to put it. She also debunked the idea that empathy somehow means that you w- you'll have to agree with everything another person says. But it's rather about understanding that other person's context and how they got to where they are. Enough said, let's jump right into the highlights with Maria. And what I think is most relevant to empathy in the workplace is that empathy is the ability to see things from another person's perspective mm-hmm. and sometimes feel what they're feeling. But that's that's one aspect of empathy, which is emotional empathy. You can yeah. still practice cognitive empathy without feeling right. the feelings, right? But usually, nine times out of 10, cognitive empathy results in you feeling something or bringing up something similar that you've experienced, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't experience that exact thing. But being able to see things from another person's point of view, but further use that information to then act, to communicate in a certain way, to um, make decisions in a certain way. What it isn't is just being nice. It's not um, caving in to crazy demands from people. (laughs) So a lot of the connotations around it being a weak leadership trait are actually false because really some of the strongest, most confident leaders lead with empathy. Yeah, compassion is really empathy in action. So when you practice cognitive empathy or emotional empathy and you act on it, you make a decision, you decide to do something, you communicate in a certain way. That action is the compassion component. So you can have empathy for people and yeah. do nothing with that information. Right. Um, but really, compassion comes forth in the action of what you do in response to seeing things from another person's point of view. Yeah, well, sympathy is really about, um, you know, it, it's often associated with, with feeling sorry for someone or someone in an unfortunate situation. You can have empathy for someone that's not in a bad situation, right? right? If yeah. you win the lottery tomorrow, I can have empathy for you going, wow, he must really be excited about having won the lottery. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But sympathy is usually more about um, you know, looking at someone versus sitting right next to them. Empathy is about sort of being on the same side of the table as them and not necessarily offering a prescription. Just, I hear you, I see you, I value you. Wow, this must be really tough. 
Yeah. Sympathy is more about, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, right? It's about me. I'm right. sorry for your mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. And so um, Brene Brown did it. There was a great um, illustrated video that came out that sh- when she was talking about the difference between sympathy and empathy, where someone is stuck in a well and sympathy is the person looking down in the well and going, wow, that really sucks that you're down there, right? That's sympathy. <laughs> empathy okay. is someone climbing into the well and sitting next to them. And being with them. And so that's really the subtle difference between sympathy and empathy. So we might think we're being empathetic when we're actually just being sympathetic. Well, I think from both, you know, my work as a brand strategist is about helping companies talk about their work and message their business and build their brand story. And so from an external perspective, I see sometimes a lack of empathy leading to, we think we understand what our customers want Mm -hmm. and the problems that that they want to solve, but we actually don't. We're in our ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we first started our business, we did a lot of work on trying to understand what the customer's needs were and their aspirations and their goals and their values. But then as a company scales, sometimes that can get lost in the mm-hmm. busyness, right? Yeah. And so yeah. we we start to make assumptions. Yeah. Um, from an internal perspective, I think it's about leading with, these are things that motivate me, therefore they're going to motivate my team. Right. right. And that's completely the opposite of empathy because you're mm-hmm. looking at it from your frame of reference rather than being a leader that gets to know their people right. and understand like, you know, Joe is motivated by recognition. Alice is motivated by, you know, extra benefits or time off. Yeah. Um, Bob is motivated by a raise, right. Or a promotion or something very, very grand validation. So not looking at things through like, well, this is what I would like. Mm-hmm. But thinking about it in terms of what my people need and want, this is what they call the platinum rule, right? The golden rule is do unto others as you would have done unto you. Yeah. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would have done unto them. Mm-hmm. And that's really where you get to empathy. I mean, you could give someone what they want all day long. It doesn't mean you see things from their point of view. It just means you're too scared to say no, Yeah. right? And empathy is about seeing things from another person's point of view. So Um, I often use the example of one of my most empathetic bosses I ever had, um, had to lay off the entire marketing team in advance of a sale. And it was the way that he did it. It was Uh the way that he communicated the decision. It was the support he provided thinking, what did, what do my folks need right now? Right. Um, and making it very individual. And this is not someone who is a weak leader. This is someone who has built and sold many companies over mm-hmm. his career, right? Yep. This is not a shrinking violet we're talking about, right. but someone who just understands that it's the connection with your people and understanding what they need and seeing, hearing, and valuing them is how you're going to get the best work out of them, which yeah. benefits you as a leader, yeah. right? Because then you create a high performing team. Do you actually have to be quite confident? to be empathetic because you have to have enough Mm self-confidence to not get defensive, to be able to not be stuck in your own insecurities and fears that you can actually take on another person's point of view. So when you look at leaders like Mark Benioff or the CEO of Zoom or, you know, other leaders like that who are, are hugely empathetic, Mm -hmm. they're very strong leaders who make stuff happen, right? Mm -hmm. They are not doormats. And so I think that's the confusion of, of, you know, well, if I just hire a bunch of really nice people, I will create an empathetic culture mm-hmm. or team. And yeah. that's not, that's not going to do it for you. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I forgot to mention that is it's definitely not necessarily agreeing with someone. In fact, there's a, 
there's a facilitation technique called empathy circles that was started by a man named Edwin Rutsch from the Center for Building a Culture of Empathy. And he's training people all over the world. He's done these empathy circles at the most divisive political rallies uh-huh. in the world and protests to basically just help people see each other as human. But empathy does not mean I agree with you. Right. It means I hold space to like understand your context and understand how you got there. I still don't have to agree with you, whether it's at work or in a, you know, a testy budget meeting or, uh, you know, a sales rep talking to a prospect. Right. I don't have to agree with you, but I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And that can then lead to finding common ground and then maybe finding a solution going forward that benefits both of you. But it's definitely not acquiescing or agreeing necessarily with someone. Right. I mean, the, one, of, one of the best ways a leader can, can hone their empathy muscle or build their empathy muscle yeah. is during a performance review with maybe with an underperforming uh, team member. Right. And that means you're not condoning the behavior, but you're not going at it at, as like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're fired, right? right. It's, it's help me understand what's going on for you. Uh-huh. I see a trend of you not delivering on time. I see a trend of you not making your numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm hearing some things that, you know, you may be difficult to work with. Like, let's talk about what's going on. Why don't you tell me what's going on for you? And at least understand where the person's coming from so you can ultimately solve the problem. Uh-huh. Well, I think, you know, it's one of those things we know it when we're in it. Uh-huh. We feel safe. You know, psychological safety is coming up a lot in yeah. management circles about the fact that, especially with the pandemic, is your your people have to, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You have to feel safe in order to perform your job and safe physically, but safe emotionally. Like, is it okay if I take risks? Is it okay if I offer out an idea without ma- being made to feel like I'm stupid? You know, is it, do I, am I in, in an environment where I'm not being harassed or feel like I'm being you know, biased against. Yeah. All of that is about psychological safety. So number one, you you feel secure in the environment you're in and you feel, like I said earlier, seen, heard, and valued. Even yeah. if your boss doesn't agree with you all the time, like you know that you are valued, you know they're willing to listen to your ideas and your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest killers of empathy is ego, right? And so we, uh-huh. we've we probably, unfortunately, all been in a situation where we've had a manager that led by ego because yeah. they thought that showed they were strong and forceful. Right. And you never, you, you, you constantly don't have your footing when you're in an environment like that. So when you're dealing with an empathetic leader, you feel, you feel safe, you feel secure, you feel heard, you feel valued. And that frees you up from all the the junk, the unnecessary junk that gets right. in the way of your job, right? The politics, the like, oh, I have to like protect what's mine. Yeah. I have to be looking over my shoulder all the time. And that's why the data shows that empathetic cultures breed more innovation uh-huh. because people are free to be creative. They're free to take risks. They're free to focus on the job you hired them to do. When you're in a difficult situation with someone, just to use that as an example, like you're in a difficult conversation or you're in conflict, yeah. is when you give someone something to push against, they're going to push against it. When you kind of say, okay, I, I don't agree with that, but I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Right. And here are some of the merits of what you said. Now I can let my guard down a little bit. Now I, now I don't have so much to push against. Yeah. And I can start to let go of my protective stance. Yes. And maybe relent and go, well, what you're saying has some merit too. I think, you know, in my book, the first habit, the first actionable habit that I have is practicing presence. 
And that's about getting your own house in order. Right. Right. We've, we've all heard the stories of like, you know, you can't love another person unless you love yourself. And, and it's true because if you are so caught up in your own opinions, your own self doubt, your own insecurities, you will put up a protective stance that prevents you from trying to see things from another person's point of view. If you've ever had, you know, a debate with someone who just gets very defensive. And, and we're seeing that a lot in our culture with a lot of the, the social justice right. issues going on. Yep. You know, people are taking information in and, and perceiving it as an attack on them. Right. That's because they don't have, they don't have their own house in order. They don't have like, they're, maybe they're insecure. They have their own fears. Their defenses are up. So in order for you to be able to be empathetic, You've got to, you've got to deal, you know, you have to build your own self-confidence. Yeah. You have to work on your active listening skills. You have to work on your ability to set your own agenda aside for a moment to then take on someone else's point of view and not feel threatened by that other person's point of view. I think that's the key. And if you feel threatened by another person's point of view, unless it's, you know, directly harming you, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm in a budget discussion, someone's, someone's decision about what they want to do to, with the budget isn't personally harming me. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, but really be able to just, to just hear them and understand them without being so protective. You yeah. that's, that's inner work that has to be done. And, and like I said earlier, if you can think of a manager that you've had in the past, that was, you know, very dictatorial, maybe, or very, you know, abusive. Right. You probably can look back, at least I can, and say, I think they had a lot going on there. I think that was more about them than it was about me. Yes. And so I you're absolutely right. I think you have to start with, I think it's um, the Dalai Lama who says, you know, about showing compassion for yourself uh -huh. before you have the ability to show compassion for somebody else. You know, that's a good question. Um I mean, some might say it's apathy, but I don't know if it is. I think maybe the opposite of empathy is selfishness. Uh -huh. Maybe the opposite of empathy is, you know, egocentricity. Because right. you you have you you are looking at no other frame of reference other than yourself. Maybe it's right. narcissism is the opposite of empathy. <laughs> so there's there's tons of data out there. And that's the good news, right? That then that was actually my goal with the book was to curate all that data in one place and yeah. say, here's the business case for mm -hmm. adopting empathy. And from a sales perspective, empathy is the number one trait of successful salespeople. Now it's also combined with ambition ambition. You can't mm -hmm. just be super empathetic and not be right proactive, right? To be a of successful course. salesperson. But there's a study from USC that showed that um, though that was the most important trait because you have the ability to pivot and understand your customer and yeah. adapt your sales pitch to what, what they might be needing at that moment. And some of the lowest scoring traits were actually knowledge of the product. Right. And, um, you know, driving the topic of conversation which a lot of salespeople try to do, right? Mm -hmm. They think like, let me go in. But if you have empathy as a salesperson, you're able to be in the moment, practice presence yeah. and read your customer and adapt to what they're communicating to you in that moment. And, you know, when you think about, when you think about an objection handling, which, which yeah. we do a lot with sales enablement, it's, that's actually empathy. Cause it's like, what might they be thinking? Right. And being able to address that up front, but also knowing that if you're in the moment and the person is not communicating that objection, you don't need to give them that script. 
Right. You're, 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 you're adapting to where they are. You know, it's like situational fluency. Mm-hmm. Empathy provides that for you because you're able to be in the moment with another person. Lisa Earl McLeod wrote the book Selling with Noble Purpose, which is so aligned with our mission to elevate the sales profession. And it was great to speak with her on the topic of empathy. Her definition of sales empathy is when your customer feels seen, heard, and understood, helping them to achieve their goal. She also said that the number one problem for sellers is that drumbeat of, I have to close this deal, (laughs) and the focus on the outcome for you instead of the impact on the customer. Let's jump right in and hear what Lisa has to say. Truly understands them at a deep level and is all in for them. And a lot of times people think, that if a seller is empathetic to the customer, it means they'll give away the store, they'll sell low margin deals, they'll just get walked all over. That is not true. That is Uh the lowest level baseline reactive empathy. Effective sales empathy is when the customer feels seen and heard and understood, and they know that you are all in for them and you are helping them achieve their goals. What we have to do if we want our sellers to be empathetic is we have to quiet the fear. And you have to understand, like picture a customer. One seller shows up thinking, I have to close this deal. I have to close this deal. They're not going to ask good questions. They're going to go, see, look what I got. Look what I got. Yeah. <laughs> picture another seller who's, who has put in their head and had their manager put in their head, your job is to help the customer and figure out the best way to help them. Mm-hmm. That seller's going to be more curious because mm-hmm. curiosity is a part of empathy. If I don't know you, I'm not going to have any empathy for you. Right. So that seller's going to be more curious. That seller's going to lean in. And I think one of the reasons why empathy has been so eroded in sales is because the organization focuses on the number, mm-hmm. the target, yep. rather than the impact on the customer. And we know that. Focusing on the impact on the customer and getting that in your seller's head is a leading indicator, and the numbers actually follow that. They're a lagging indicator. Overemphasizing a lagging indicator erodes empathy. But here's what's happening is the reason salespeople are so focused on the compensation is not because they're bad people. It's because that's become the corporate narrative. Mm-hmm. That's become the story. And we're all going to yeah. get this deal. We're all going to get this big commission. So instead, what managers can do And we have documented this very well in Selling with Noble Purpose, the book. When managers lead with, let's talk about how we make a difference to customers. Let's talk about the stories about how we've improved customers' lives and made their life faster, easier, better, more efficient, Uh whatever it may be. And if you want to evoke empathy, you have to do it with specificity. Mm -hmm. So instead of just saying, hey, we make customers' lives faster, you want to bring in a customer. You know, and that's yeah. why Maria's work on empathy is getting so popular because people want to understand it more. Um, yeah. So you've got to bring in an actual customer and say, this is how we made their life better. Then say, now we need to find a hundred more of those people. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, we will be well compensated. But it's what is the leader pointing the people to? There are actually three things that you can do very specifically to build up empathy on your team. Okay. And one is storytelling storytelling about how you make a difference to customers where the customers are the star of the story. (laughs) 
not yeah. the sale. The customer. The second thing is bring in individual customers so people can put a name and a face with. We help people like this, like right. Susan, who has a business. That's who we help. So they can mm -hmm. put a that'll trigger empathy. And then the third thing is do customer prototypes that are really specific and they include emotions and they include names. Mm. Like those are three things that leaders can do that will just create an empathy in their sellers because empathy starts from seeing the other person as a real life human being. But what the leaders need to do is they need to spend at least 50%. This is one of the things we recommend. And we've seen yeah. a huge difference in our customers with this. 50% of your airtime should be spent talking about how you improve life for customers with specificity and with emotion. Because you're creating the story. That's like me telling, um, imagine I'm teaching a class for new parents. Mm -hmm. And I say, the number one thing is your Toddlers have to do these behavioral things. We've got to hit these test scores. They've got to be on time. They've got to know how to dress themselves. And oh, by the way, you need to be um, empathetic and patient and kind. Yeah. But instead, if I say, let me tell you about the inner life of a toddler and what's happening in their brain right now. Let me tell you about what it feels like to struggle to tie your own shoes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's me seeding in you a deep understanding of these other people because one of the things that helps people be empathetic is mm -hmm. actually business acumen. Yep, definitely. So if you come and tell me, we'll go back to our toddler example. If you come and tell me I've got a two-year-old, I happen to know a lot about two-year-olds because yeah. I've been the parent of two of them. <laughs> yeah. And so my subject matter expertise is going to help me ask better questions of you it's going to help me understand you more. So we worked with one client and they were calling on um, chief infection control nurses. They sold who ended up being really important. This was a couple of years ago. Yep. And so we did a simulation where they got to spend a couple hours in the life of one and what the decisions they face, the problems they face. And that was a game changer. Because mm -hmm. then they understood, oh, this is the person. So leadership plays a big role in upping the empathy quotient. And in our studies, Top performing salespeople combine the money and the meaning. Yeah. And so the reason I say you don't have to move the comp is that's that you're starting from the wrong premise of yeah. well, we'll move the comp and then you know everything will change. Mm -hmm. Having said that, rewarding people on short-term gain creates a climate where empathy will be eroded. So right. what we see in the best companies is yes. Salespeople are commissioned or comped on closing deals. And there's some form of compensation for the whole company around customer retention and things like that. And so, so I'll give you the example of the way this works. Um, we all know the Wells Fargo example. Not sure and, I do. I'm Swede, you know. <laughs> oh, right. Wells Fargo. So I'll tell the short story version of Wells yeah, Fargo. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Their CEO said cross-selling is our strategy. It is okay. the essential, is the linchpin of our strategy. And all the salespeople at Wells Fargo, which is a bank, yep. were incentivized to get a bigger share of wallet from the customer. Uh -huh. So if I've sold you a checking account, I need to sell you a mortgage. If I've sold you a mortgage, right. I need to sell you this. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense, but everything in the organization was focused on sell more, sell more to the customers, bigger share of wallet, bigger shares of wallet. So they commoditize their customers. Yeah. 
So then the sellers started faking accounts. This is a big scandal, started fake, wow. setting up fake accounts and all this. Mm-hmm. We have a bank that we work with where sellers get compensated on mm-hmm. their sales. But the purpose of the bank is we fuel prosperity. Okay. Find out what prosperity is for your customers. Mm-hmm. Try and help them become more prosperous. It, like the the lexicon and the way the leadership talks is very, very different. At the meeting, they say, how many people we help fuel prosperity this week? Woo-hoo! Yeah. Tell us about one of them. Oh, you helped a guy that owns a dry cleaning store? Get a loan and do that. Let, let's hear about him. Mm. So it's a completely different experience. And they do have some group compensation goals where everyone gets right. comp on the group. Yeah. But but the reason I use this point is they make it clear at every level that we are here to make a difference to our customers. And that's the bridge for empathy. Yes. That's the bridge for empathy that to say, we're here to close sales, close sales, close sales. And that's all we care about. Oh, but be empathetic. Mm. That's not going to work. Like, yeah. so I start showing, I know the landscape. Then I ask a question, how are you doing it? And, mm. and, and that's how you make someone feel seen and heard is by actually seeing and hearing them. <laughs> Give me an example of one of them. Tell me more. How is that going to help them? How is that going to help them? Get one of your sellers to start talking about, and I had this customer and she was frustrated with this and that, and we're helping her and say, turn to the rest of the group on your Zoom call and say, that's amazing. This, we live for moments like this. Yeah. Helping Helping customers like this. I don't ever want you guys to think this work doesn't matter. So go out and find some more customers to help and bring me back some more stories next week. Like you can do that as an individual sales manager. Because if people are buying from you, you're helping them in some way. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a business. What you want to do is lift up that customer impact. We call it the noble purpose. Uh You want to lift up the noble purpose. And what that does is it humanizes all the customers. Mm -hmm. Because if we talk about customers as, well, you know, customer A gave us 50,000, customer B gave us yeah. 75,000, customer C, we're trying to close them. They, customers become these anonymous things. And it yeah. becomes really hard for the salespeople to have empathy. Mm. The best salespeople will because it's innate in them. But you can lift it up. But the reason that we tend to coarsen ourselves on a regular basis and not respond to empathy, not respond with empathy, is simply because we're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. We're overwhelmed and I've got my number and I've got this and I've got that and I've got these sellers and I've got to tell them this and I've got to tell them that. So I'm going to give the overwhelmed sales manager a little secret here. Nice. Empathy is actually a shortcut. It feels like you don't have time for it, but Mm -hmm. when people feel seen and heard, it doesn't take that long. When people feel seen and heard, you connect faster and the rest of your words can become more efficient. If you've ever had the experience of someone deeply listening to you, you'll see that you start to become more articulate. You know, if you'll just be blathering, blathering about something, and then they lean in and they say, well, tell me more about that. You go, yeah. oh, this is a real conversation. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I better say something good here. And you don't even really think that. It just happens. Yeah. And so one of the things that we have found with a lot of the sales leaders that we coach is if you if you're doing regular meetings all you have to do is a check in and you need to model transparency the best way to uh, show empathy is to create an environment where you're being vulnerable and transparent mm-hmm. it's hard to be empathetic if people don't share anything with you yeah 
So it is okay. We have this idea that that if we just push people, push people, push people, they'll do more and more and more. Well, we Mm -hmm. know that's not true. But if you can, as a leader, one of the leaders that we coach says every week at the start of the, at the weekly, you know, roundup, the meeting that we do, we do a check-in and Uh he says, he models it and he says, you know, this week I was so excited about this, but I'm also really struggling with my attention span. I'm really struggling. I'm on Zoom fatigue and I'm really struggling. I used to be so excited when I came in the office and we were all together. And now it's just one Zoom call after the next. And it's hard to figure out which ones are important and which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling with that. So what I will tell you as a leader is it may be hard for you if you're not that kind of person, but it is not inefficient. It's not inefficient yeah. at all. Like, like I always say, it's kind of a pay me now or pay me later. You think you don't have time for feelings? Oh, you're getting them later. <laughs> They're going to show up. Yeah, and if you get them out on the table at the beginning, yeah, you know, it's going to be a lot easier. And this isn't, when I say getting the feelings out, this isn't, you know, conflict. You may have to deal with that, which is a separate issue. But this is just, it's okay to be transparent as a leader and say, I miss you guys. I'm, I'm finding this really hard. And I would just be open about it. It's one of the things we say in Selling with Noble Purpose, tell the team, we got to still hit our number and I want to infuse meaning and purpose in this work. And I'm trying to do both. And I'm an imperfect human, but I'm trying to make this work. Oh. <laughs> so if you tell me I am really struggling here with my teenager and they're having all these problems, It's not my job, nor do I have the expertise to coach you on that. What I can do is lean in and say, oh, man, that sucks. Mm -hmm. I feel for you. I feel for you. God, that's got to be so hard. Is there anything that we can do in the work setting that might make this easier for you to manage or or better? Is there anything we can do? Mm -hmm. There probably, there may be, there may not be. There may be I need a few days off. There may be I need to change my hours, whatever. I'm not coaching you on solving your problem with your teenager. Yeah. You know, unless I have some particular expertise. In fact, right. just in fact, you probably don't want coaching on that. So my job is to coach you on the skills of your job. I'm only going to offer advice on your teenager if you ask me. Yeah. For some. Hey, you had a teenager. What's that's like? Then I might tell you, you know. Yeah. But if you just share with me, I'm really struggling with this. All I have to do is say, man, I see you. I hear you. That's got to suck. It is now still a good time for us mm-hmm. to go to this topic. Are you good with that? Mm-hmm. Or if it's not a good time, we'll reschedule. Yeah. Okay, then let's go. And let's go. So now what happens is I, the other person, this big thing that's bothering me, you've seen it, you've heard it. We don't have to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Good point. Now I can kind of calm down and go to the work, or maybe I can tell you, I can't see straight. Right. This is not going to be a good meeting. Mm-hmm. Can we do it another day? Okay. We think that acknowledging the feelings will make them bigger. It doesn't. Mm. Not acknowledging the feelings makes them bigger. Acknowledging yeah. the feelings actually gives the person clarity and they can calm down. What was acceptable in an in-person call is intolerable. Yes. Zoom. And so yeah. we just did a course for LinkedIn learning, selling with empathy during uncertain times. And it's become wildly popular mm-hmm. because it was always 
a hallmark of top sellers and top organizations that they operated with a level of empathy. Now yeah. it's become table stakes. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it, you're going to be shut out. Yeah. Empathy doesn't always mean I'm empathizing with your bad situation. Empathy is also when you're with a customer and they think, and they're saying things like, well, I think we could do this and this. And you're like, oh my God, you could do that. I am all in for it. Oh my God. And that would mean so much for you. And that would be so awesome for you. And I'm all in to help you. That's also empathy. Yes. And then that's where the, uh, I think the curiosity comes out. You have to be curious, you have to be in that state of mind and you have to have that business savvy to understand what they're telling you, right? (laughs) Yeah. In order to be curious. If you don't have the business acumen. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. That's what we had for you today. I hope you liked it. And as always, I would really love to hear your feedback. Drop me an email, connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell me what you liked and what you think we could do even better in the future. Maybe there are interviews that you would want us to do. Give us your advice. Give us your suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Thank you again. Take care. See you next time.